0: Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now, your host, Dr. Yosef witt Hi,
1: I'm
0: Dr. Yosef witt
1: I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Ruben DeWitt, who is the co-founder of the PSSD Network. Uh, it's the group that I think has, you know, among sort of the other channels, has really kind of Bound people together and given PSSD a unified voice, they've had really successful social media campaigns and um, are really doing big things about raising awareness about this condition. So, Ruben, welcome and thank you so much for coming. And I know you have questions, so I'll let you kind of just just dive right into them.
0: Yeah. So first, yeah, thank you a lot for doing this. You know, you're really it's very valuable for to have someone with credentials speak about PSSD. That's really what the community has always been. One thing kind of, you know, so I guess I'll we'll start off with the first question that I had. Um, how do you think is the best way to basically make the average clinician aware of this? You know, so PSD is something when you 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 won't find it unless you actually Google exactly for what you're looking for. So you kind of need to know about PSD first before you actually you know can find it. So i, I was wondering what you know what your your idea is to find, you know to make the rare awareness about this. Sure. Yeah. So I think,
1: you know, as, as you'd mentioned, you know, the, uh, you know, before we were on camera, I mean, this, this has been written about in the medical literature for, I don't know, maybe like nearly two decades or something like that. So it's been around yeah. for like a really long time and, and, you know, people still don't know about it. Um, And so I think, you know, that doesn't work. And I, and I guess what you can take from that is that, you know, most of your kind of uh, rank and file, you know, family medicine doctors and, you know, psychiatrists, they're not reading, you know, international journal of drug safety or any of these specific drug safety journals where this turns up. Uh, and so, um, you know, most of the main psychiatric journals, and maybe the the more popular things like JAMA, you know, they don't really deal with um, adverse reactions, you know, they deal with new clinical trials, new drugs, that's, that's kind of what they do. So, you know, most doctors aren't reading about this stuff. So, you know what? Do you, what do you do then? You know if you if you mm. want to get this in front of physicians. Um, ideally, if you know in the in the EU and Canada, you know where they actually did update the labels. You know they put you know PSSD in there. Um, you know that hasn't gotten out to people, and and so when they update the labels, they think that oh, you know this is great. Doctors are going to read this stuff. At least it's in there yeah. now but doctors don't read drug labels. You know, I was never trained on how to read a drug label. My wife was never, I've I've lots of physician friends and I, and I asked them about this and they're not really taught how to read drug labels either. So, you know, if something is only recently recognized in the, in the package, the package insert of the drug, you know, they're not going to know about it because they didn't learn about it in residency. They may have a book on their shelf that's out of date, you know, and so it's not in there. So, um, what I think is, and I guess this is kind of where I come in, I mean, I th- I think it has to be kind of like a grassroots type of media campaign. I think you need to shove it in their face and, and get yeah. more and more attention to the point where they ask questions and go, you know, you know, what is this thing? Cause, and actually yesterday, you know, one of my attending physicians from um, Baylor where I trained called me up on the phone. He was just like, hey, Yosef, you know, what's this PSSD thing about you know, I heard someone mentioning it on Twitter. I thought they were a bunch mm-hmm. of Scientologists. And then I went to their website and I saw your name. And so I thought I'd give you a call. And then, you know, we had this conversation and I and it went something like that, you know. No, I think it's, you know, and he was like, I haven't seen it in my textbooks. And I said, no, it's real. You know, it's actually, you know, it's in the drug labels in Europe and, and, and Canada now, you know, in the warnings and precautions. It's a big deal. You know, it's not, I'm not surprised you haven't heard about it. And he was just like, oh, shit, you know this seems really important. This is probably something yeah. that I need to, to talk about. Um, you know, one of the nice things with PSSD is, is, is that you actually have genuine recognition from health authorities. And I mean, that, that's a lot more than, you know, other people with antidepressant problems can have because there's all of the protracted withdrawal injuries from antidepressants where they, you know, they are just getting electrocuted 24 seven and they feel like they're on fire and that's and that's nowhere but pssd can really lean on the fact that the second largest drug market in the world you know the regulators there have now mandated it into the labels of all of the ssris and snris so um i think if if you can push really hard on social media like what pssd network is doing on tiktok and um you know kind of what i'm trying to do a little bit with my channel and 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 you know maybe starting to get some traction in in the media more people are going to see this and have that same reaction you know what is this crazy you know side effect you know are these people scientologists and then after they realize <laughs> yeah. that it's like well shit. you know even though it's not in the labels in 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 the us like this you know number two and maybe number three largest drug markets in the world now have this in the label they'll say well, this is something that's looking legitimate. So I would say, kind of exactly what you guys are doing at PSSD Network is what needs to happen.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's it's really interesting that you brought this up about this tweet. Um, so we're in a group where we organize or try to you know raise awareness on Twitter, and someone posted like, "Oh, look at this guy! He's calling me a Scientologist," and then we were kind of confused. And then he even said on Twitter. Um, oh, I'll, I'll contact uh, Joseph ad and talk about and see what's going on because he re- saw your name. So it's really <laughs> funny that you brought this up. Um, yeah, I mean we like you said, we already try to do this. We I personally think that we shouldn't hold back on uh, how loud we are. Um, if you look at other political issues in America, for example, uh, people speak out like with their like they, they, they scream out about their, their the problems that are going on. So we definitely shouldn't hold back. Uh, we should also try to make it kind of shocking, you know, to appear shocking because it is shocking, right? So yeah, yeah. That's...
1: And I mean, I would not be dissuaded by people because because there is a there's a, there's a there's like an intimidation that happens when you try and talk about drug side effects. I've been talking yeah. about them for a long time, in residency and afterwards, and they say you are stigmatizing mental illness, you are pill shaming, you are making it harder for people who really need treatment to come forward and take it. You know. You're, you're exaggerating things and, and you're really not. You know? I, mean, I don't think yeah. anyone on PSSD network is saying this happens to everyone, but what they're saying is it's happening to enough people that it's important. And the idea that you should not say something because maybe it discourages someone else, I think is so wrong on many levels because implicit yeah. in that is, is saying that you know, it, it, that the people who benefit from these drugs, that their stories are more important than the people who are harmed by them. And i just so disagree with that they both count you know the, the people who are helped and the people who are harmed you need to look at that fairly
0: yeah i also i think it's ridiculous this kind of arguments that we get on social media we i have seen all all the kind of arguments there's there's actual people blaming the patients oh why didn't you read the label you should read the label so this first argument i mean in the us you won't find anything you know so and then they mm-hmm. say oh you have to educate yourself but I mean, who does this? Even doctors don't do this. So how can you expect the patient to do this? You know. Um, and everyone so-
1: knows this. I mean, this whole thing of you have to educate yourself. Like if you've been to a doctor and you've had one of those encounters, you know it doesn't happen like that. You know they mm-hmm. go, oh, why don't you try this medication? Yeah, you know it's 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 pretty safe, and that and that's kind of about it. You know, maybe that experience differs a little bit, but that's the experience I get whenever I get, you know, antibiotics yeah. or anything else. It's it's just it's so quick. Um, you go and pick it up from the pharmacy. They hand you a little piece of paper that says, you know, do you understand the risks? No one says anything to you. You sign it because you're not even looking at it. And it's just like, okay, here's the drug. You know, it's,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if it was, if there's like a black box warning or something on about possible long-term sexual dysfunction, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't take it. You know, if there was actual truth about this and and uh, and, you know, when you go into arguments with professionals about this, one of the first thing they will say is that it's very rare, which is, I mean, it's, first of all, most likely not true. Uh, a recent study came out and it estimated the risk to be one in 216, which mm-hmm. is not low at all. In the US, this would be at, at least 150,000 people who have, as the study calls it, uh, irreversible erectile dysfunction. So it's not, it's not something to just ignore. And the rare, the rare argument is also an easy way to kind of brush it off, you know, because in some cases you could make that argument. Well, like for example, you can get anaphylaxis from ibuprofen, for example, but it's like really extremely super rare. If it's like one in a million chance, then I then I might think, okay, maybe it's like you know that's a possible argument. But with PSD, there's enough data to say that it's not rare, or at least not as rare as people claim it is, you know. So yeah, that's a very big problem as well.
1: I think so and you know I've 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 thought about that a little bit as well. I mean it's it's something that could easily be misdiagnosed, you know, what, and and you could be gaslit into thinking that you don't have it because you know the the emotional anesthesia which is one of the the really prominent and more severe Uh, symptoms, you know, where Mm -hmm. people just have this complete flattening of their mood that comes along with, you know, the general anesthesia and the sexual problems. Gosh, it's so easy for someone to just tell you that that's depression, you know, and, and I've been chatting with a couple of the other folks on the PSSD network who feel asexual, they feel like, you know, what is wrong with me, I used to be attracted to this, you know, this, this, this uh, sex, and now I don't have Mm. it anymore. And, wouldn't it be easy to just say, okay, this emotional numbness, this is depression, you're just very anhedonic now, even though it's characteristically very different than the state mm. that they were in before. And, you know, this loss of sexual, um, you know, attraction. I mean, people roll that kind of stuff into either gender identity issues or sexuality issues or, you know, maybe I'm asexual. Like, it's, it's very yeah. easy to kind of bucket, in, bucket it into other things and to miss it. And, you know, maybe it's only the people that, you know, like Rosie, who I spoke spoke to, who has, you know, this severe like emotional anesthesia, like maybe like when you have it like that bad, maybe it's, 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 it's clear to you, you know, I, you know, I've been poisoned. I've had this crazy toxicity, but there's a whole range of kind of mild Mm -hmm. in between where Rosie is and, and someone else where I think it's, I think it's missed. I, I know personally, like just, within my friend groups and things like that. I've known someone who's taken, um, you know, six months to recover from, um, you know, the sexual side effects of the Mm -hmm. antidepressants. He He didn't really think much of it. He's just like, okay, I guess it just took a little bit longer, but it's like how many people are out there that have that, that kind of mild variant, which they just don't talk about.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous how, I don't know, people, first of all, the, there's the big problem is also the stigma around it sexual functioning people don't want to you don't want to scream on top of your lungs or even to your doctor that things are not working you know it's it's a highly embarrassing issue for some people and and regards to the uh for example people say oh it's just depression you know you're not interested in sex or depression but if you actually look at the studies that look into libido uh, regarding to depression um there's like they look at basically people who are depressed not depressed and they see that maybe the half of the people who are depressed have like low libido or whatever. And then you go into like the specifics, like uh, orgasm issues, and there's people who have less pleasurable orgasms. and But there is like nobody who has things like anorgasmia. You know, if you're depressed, your ability to orgasm just doesn't disappear. And then the most obvious one is the genital numbness. You know, there, there's no way that your genitals go numb from depression. And then there's the opposite. And there's there are plenty of people who, when they're depressed their libido actually increases and as some kind of escape from reality you know when you're extremely depressed uh you try to find any kind of pleasure you can you know you can see and one of yeah. them is you know sexual pleasure and yeah it's it, it and the reason why this narrative or this idea still exists is because high profile um like med- medical professionals keep repeating this you know uh, i saw your interview with dr healy and he also mentioned this ISSM video where Anita Clayton claims that, you know, it's just their depression. So, and she has like a lot of credentials behind what she's saying. And this causes people to still believe that this narrative is actually like 100%, you know, foolproof, which it's not, you know. So yeah, that's a big problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's
0: one of one of the big problems
1: in, in the way psychiatry is practiced these days has has to do with the DSM. And so the DSM, the way that they describe depression, it's just a list of symptoms. If you have five out of nine of them that you have it, you know, you have depression and it's a completely impoverished way of looking at human suffering because what it says is you could just ask someone, "Oh, are you depressed? Are you anxious? And you know, if they have enough symptoms, Oh, you have this condition as if it's, as if it's all of the same thing. And And you really lose, I guess, what, I mean, what you might call the art of being a mental health practitioner, where it's like, you can actually tell the difference between different types of anxiety and depression. And anyone who is looking at it that way would realize that emotional anesthesia, you know, the, the, the type of absolute leveling of emotion in PSSD is so characteristically different than Mm. any type of normal depression or anxiety. And 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 this is the way people are trained now so it's the way a family doctor is trained it's the way a psychiatrist is trained they're not really trained to kind of look at the you know the constellation of symptoms and really think about it and notice notice patterns that are different you know they just they they they, they run through their list of symptoms and go oh well i guess this is probably depression because i haven't heard of anything else and and i mean that's why you know you have people who are
0: just completely missing missing this um yeah yeah i actually um before all this i was actually as a career choice i was either gonna go into it or psychology or like i always want one was really extremely interested in psychology when i was younger and i, I mean i chose for it because for some other reasons but um so i, I think it's just I, I also kind of believe this entire system that everything i also like believe that this is was like the something extremely foolproof and that there's like no real issues. And from the outside, it looks like it's really perfect, you know, but then when you dive deeper and then you actually like, see, Oh, why is this happening? Like, why, why do they prescribe drugs so easily? And then nobody questions it. And that's kind of really blew my mind how, how nobody kind of questions it. And the worst part is when, let's say you reach out for help, you know, they will always say, people always say, because they believe it's the right thing to say, Oh, seek professional help. But this step can literally kind of ruin someone's life. You know, I mean, a psychologist won't ruin your life. But if you get pushed into taking medication, it can really like screw you over. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, and you heard Rosie's interview as
1: well. It's like, clearly, you know, she's highly distressed. She goes to her family. She asks for help. And their knee jerk reaction, mm. like many families, is let's trust the experts you know let's mm. get you to the people who have the diplomas and the medical degrees yeah and she ends up involuntarily hospitalized and is essentially um railroaded into taking more drugs you mm. know which 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 she knows isn't helpful so it's like i mean it really is this kind of red red pill moment i know you know when you suddenly realize you go oh shit you know what have i done what has happened to me you know, something's off. You go mm. online, you find this community, and you just go, "Oh my god, there's others like me." And then you go and you talk to your doctor, and you just go, "No one can help me. I'm, I'm, I'm on my own." And then the longer you go down this rabbit hole, you realize that, I mean, there's, you know, people are getting harmed all over the place. I mean, PSSD, it's clearly terrible. The benzodiazepine problems, they're all they're awful as well. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about people who. You know, essentially pace around in circles for several years of their life in highly suicidal states. I mean, it's the same with the antidepressants. I mean, the more you look around, you realize there's these just absolute train
0: wrecks and, where there's and, huge
1: communities. Yeah,
0: I mean, in in some ways you would say, oh, the it must be that the chance to get these symptoms are like really low, right? It's like one in I don't know, hundred thousand maybe. But then you look at the statistics, and it's it's like kind of common, like akathisia is not very rare at all i think it's common right I, i'm not sure about that but yeah i mean the, the truth is we don't know how much it is
1: i mean that you, you you know akathisia like the acute version that you get from antidepressants mm. and such that's really common but the type of mm. neurological damage that people on the antidepressants and benzos get that lasts for several years i i have no idea yeah. how common that is but and it's 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 hard to estimate but the fact that you know ten percent of the U.S. population takes antidepressants—it's just like, yeah. I mean, e- even if it's just a very small fraction of those, I mean, that's a substantial number of people.
0: Even if, even if it's just while you're on the drug, getting akathisia is not fun. You know, it's not. If you're on the drug, it's way more common, of course, than it persisting. But mm-hmm. even let's say you have this, and then increase suicidal thoughts and. It's it's gonna make you look crazy towards everyone. No wonder that they you get labeled as you know mentally ill. It's almost impossible to be mentally healthy while taking these drugs. It's impossible, you know. I mean, it's the the, the thing is, there's just a lot of risk. There,
1: there, there's yeah. a lot of risk in the drugs, and 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 you know the hard, in in the US. Here's the problem with um the United States compared to other countries. Antidepressants are recommended as a first line therapy for anxiety mm. and depression i don't think this is the same in belgium i don't think it's the same in um you know in in the uk or canada where they advise you know psychological therapies and you know go go to antidepressants but in the u.s first line therapy anxiety depression you can give someone who's you know 19 years old they come in uh yeah just you know take this you know and and it's something that can just cause like these crazy toxicities that can mess up your life forever. And maybe, you know, maybe they are really uncommon, but the fact that it's a first line therapy and you're not even telling someone like, Hey, you know, you could have permanent sexual dysfunction. We really don't know how common it is, but it's a big deal. Like God, that would dissuade so many people from picking the pill up in the first place. They would wait, they would become more creative in how they're going to address their anxiety and depression. They might talk to families, counselors, They, they would do other things then be sucked into this narrative that, oh, I need this medication because I have major depressive disorder, which sounds like a bona fide medical condition. Um, And and the fact is that not all depressions are the same. You know, you could have severe depression and then maybe that makes sense. But some of these more milder ones that are driven by contextual stresses, I don't think it makes sense to think about that as a medical condition that requires treatment. I mean, it's just a dangerous way to think about your problems. And at least in the US, I mean, we have systems just set up to raise awareness about the dangers of depression, you know, talk to a healthcare professional, and it just drives people into these, you know, these, um, into these nightmares.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I kind of, I personally think that, um, it's like, as like Rosie has already said as well, is that our goal is not like to remove SSRIs or uh, psych medications from the market. Right. So if you're like extremely depressed and you have exhausted all other options, I think it might be fair when the 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 person has is informed about the risk that the person might th- then decide to take it. Right? If like if they have nothing going for their life and they're like planning to perhaps take their life, uh, then but that's like the last line treatment, not the first line. Obviously, I w- you should always exhaust all the possible options. Yeah, and, that's true. And I think, yeah, and I think the guidelines that are written in the U.S. are also kind of based with. I mean, the pharma industry there it was. I mean, I think that's the, it's a bit in the culture as well to, you know, to just trust that. And I don't know. I'm not really sure exactly why in the in Europe it's not like that. Uh, yeah. I think I mean, there's a lot of
1: things that happen with like with big bags and money. So, I mean, drug yeah. companies in the U.S. Um, Gosh, they 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 can they're, they're so powerful in how they run their um you know their PR. So so PR in a drug company is yeah. not called PR; it's called medical affairs. And so you have physicians who liaise with the commercial departments, and then the research scientists within the com- within the company. And they go, "How do we anticipate the problem? You know, the concerns that people are going to have about these drugs?" And it's very subtle, but obviously. There's a commercial interest in these companies, you know, the people that are in charge of these divisions, you know, they know that they're going to kind of get away with as much as they can. And I know it's a, you know, it's a terrible thing, but this is just, this is just the nature of not just being, you know, a pharmaceutical company. It's the nature of finance, it's the nature of banking, Mm. it's the nature of all of these industries. When you have these financial incentives, it twists things you always, you know, you're always going to soften the risks and you're always going to exaggerate the benefits. And so what, what you have, especially, you know, although drug drug development and, you know, marketing is very regulated, there's still gaps. And here's one of the gaps. Drug companies can publish as many positive articles about their drugs that they want in the medical literature. There is no mandate that they need to match with, with an equal number of articles about side effects, you know? So, and 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 so you have this thing that just kind of comes that you know that that seeps into into doctors minds where it's like oh you know it's very positive i'm always hearing about positive things you know you know they drug companies can choose to fund certain groups who are really fighting against you know depression and saying we need more resources and more you know and we need to fight stigma and you know that's not a bad thing but when you match that with like a company that's also heavily promoting the benefits of their product you get this synergy where it just you know it it amps up you know the awareness about the condition and you know talk to your doctor talk to your doctor talk to your doctor and then they've influenced yeah. them and so i mean that i mean yeah. that's what's happening in the US and and maybe there's more of it in the US because honestly you make way more money in the US as a drug company there's so many regulations in the EU that almost make it lack profitability you know so mm you know, why would you be spending all of this effort in in a, in a market that's going to bring less money back to you? So yeah, it's, it's intensified in the US for commercial reasons.
0: That's for sure. Also, one thing, when I was younger, I was always like, really, um, super into science and all this stuff. And I saw scientific literature as like the Bible, you know, it's like, if it's in there, then it has to be true. <laughs> but when you, I then realized as growing up, you know, that how much bias is in research and like papers being published and how much you can kind of twist the truth. And there's still people that, you know, because there's so much literature, the the pharmaceutical companies have so much backbone to stand up, to stand on. They're like, oh, look at this. Look at all the benefits of antidepressants. Look, it's in, all in the literature. But, you know, if you really encapsulate everything and you carefully, you know, uh, study something and then publish the results, maybe not exactly saying everything, then yeah, it's going to look good. And yeah, that's uh, something that also, you know, when you're nev- not in, in this field, like when I speak to colleagues, they, they don't experience, they talk, don't think about this stuff. And then when you talk about them, about this to them, they're like, oh yeah, that's actually true. When you think about it, or like, and, and or some some don't believe it, or they think, ah, oh, that's not true. It, it's, you know, it's so strict. You can't really lie in studies or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really crazy. When, it's like you said, the red pill moment, you know, it's like, you know, how can this happen? <laughs>
1: yeah and i I think that's you know it's 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 that whole idea of like you know science and doctors you know they're this this kind of you know don't question them you know these are the objective scientists but you know the best advice i could give everyone is you know scientists and doctors we follow the exact same social dynamics as any other group and um Mm. you know we're heavily influenced by authority and by you know other people who are seen as leading the field you know we're anxious, we're scared of liability. We want to get in line with, you know what the you know the 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 leading figures are saying in the field. Mm. You know, if they're pro-antidepressant, we're going to be that way. You know there's you know we're not a bunch of hard-nosed objective scientists. We're incredibly social creatures. Right. And you know when I think about academia and the drug industry, you know i' I'll, I'll use some kind of hyperbolic language here. you know it's it's like this unholy alliance. and and what I mean by that is that, in academia, if you want to be a successful professor, you know, probably one of the best things that you could do is get, in, get into clinical trials. You know, you want to be mm. liaising with drug companies, trying out novel compounds in new populations, and, uh, you know, running these trials, you get funded by the drug companies or, you know, other scientific institutions. It's, it's very geared towards drug development, obviously, the financial incentives, and so when... You know, drug companies end up bringing these these drugs onto the market. They've already already identified like eight out of ten of the leading, the you know the leading clinicians for major depressive disorder or treatment resistant depression. They are already working with them on the clinical trials to promote the products. They build relationships in that way. They help them publish those papers. And yeah. so, I mean, it's you, and, and I mean, this is just social dynamics. I mean, you build allies, and there's going to be guys out there like David Healy. You know who are talking about risks, but you know they they don't have this war chest of you know finance you know financial resources to kind of you know pump out literature and be persuasive. In fact, you know they're on the defensive. People are you know talking you know essentially talking shit about them in the media and kind of coming after them and saying that they're yeah. you know negligent or dangerous. Like it's it's it, it's. <laughs> That's there's what's not happening. much incentive
0: there's not much incentive to speak up about the like dangers of these drugs, for example, like what Dr Healy is doing. I mean he managed to make a you know make his living from it but still it's not really like uh the, that's the a professional's first choice, right you know it, it's way easier to just you know follow what everyone else is doing and to you know continue there instead of actually critically thinking and being like, okay, maybe something's wrong here you know yeah it's uh, exactly makes perfect sense.
1: I suspect that a lot of people will will wake up one day when they realize this because i mean doctors aren't bad people i mean you know a lot of the times they're just they're just in this i mean they're in this rat race at least in the us they have huge loans and they're just kind of plugging through but um you know it's the i I think they're just heavily influenced by you know how they were trained and and you know with groups like PSSD network and things like that i think they will eventually also have that moment because they want to do the right, right. thing um it's just i don't know I, you know when
0: yeah I don't. one day let's hope yeah we'll keep speaking up uh like as much as we can you know until until it's solved that's my goal
1: don't, don't, don't pull any punches either you know it's just yes. i i would i would go for it i mean i've taken that approach on my channel as well that it's like to just kind of hit it as 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 hard as i can um because i do think there's a turning point i mean i I mean i i I get worried that eventually if i get enough notice you know and that's kind of what i'm hoping to do with the channel you know that that there's going to be haters and there's going to be people kind of coming after me and Mm. you know challenging me and things like that but i feel like especially with PSSD, i mean we're at the point it's like are you going to say are you going to deny this when the EMA has mandated it into all of the drug labels? You know, I mean, we're at a point where with a lot of these problems, you know, the Benzo problems, PSSD, I mean, these things are recognized by regulators. No one knows about it. So I think there is a tipping point now um, where it's not going to be so scary to just be like, Hey, we really need to rethink about how we're just dishing these drugs out to everyone.
0: Yeah. I, I personally think it's improved a lot since we, kind of started with the awareness efforts you know it's in the beginning it felt like you know this is also one of the reasons why we started pieces network is because there was like no um global organization that's like really active and really consist consistently trying to put things out videos you know showing how showing the reality you know that's personally also been my goal always to show how it really is and to you know show the impact that it has you know there's a reason in court that they read impact statements you know they're because it's it's so powerful and uh you know that's also why we basically started the awareness stuff do
1: you know what's crazy i mean y- you are doing what a drug company should be doing you know when a drug company you know recognizes an important risk of the drug they have a decision to make about what they're going to do for risk mitigation you know, they can go and say, we are going to send a letter to every single family medicine doctor who prescribes these drugs. You know, we're going to send a letter to every single OBGYN and every single psychiatrist, a little blurb about it, just so they know, you know, that it's real. You know, yeah. we're going to go to symposia. We're going to present these things at the largest scientific conferences. We're going to have booths out there. And for this issue, they have chosen that that is not important to them. This is not a priority. And and what we have is, you know, this nonprofit essentially functioning as a risk mitigation arm for, for antidepressants, you know, trying to get this out there all run by volunteers who are, you know, just, just spending their time to get the word out. And there's something that's just disgusting about that, that, um, mm-hmm. you know, that you have these groups that make billions of dollars, but you know, they're, they're, they're not going to lift a finger to get the word out about this. They'll shove it in the label where no one reads it. And then, and that's it. Uh, and so, I mean good 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 on you guys for for, for doing this like
0: mm. yeah it's it's ridiculous i mean <laughs> one thing i've learned after pieces like getting to know about PSSD, is that life isn't fair you know um so it's you i also believed all like these things you know th- these things It you only kind of realize how it is when you're in this situation you cannot really that's why it's so ex- extremely hard to explain like what pieces this to others or like how bad it is like i have explained this to colleagues before and they kind of like joke about it almost like oh you know you can just take viagra or something you know it's it's you cannot really imagine it as someone who doesn't have it i myself also can't <clears throat> imagine it properly um because i also don't have it but it's it's it, that's why it's so hard to explain as well you know and the only way to do it is to like not hold back in what you say you have to be really, for example, Rosie's interview, she really said it how it is, you know, people are suicidal, people feel horrible, they they want, they, they're they fighting, instead of going outside, you know, having fun in the sun with their friends, or doing what any normal, you know, 20-year-old does, they are on their computer, or on their phone, they may, most likely in bed because they can't get up, trying to talk about this. That I think, to me, that says enough, and it's not like they're earning money from this, it's not, they have nothing to gain to go on the internet and say that you know their genitals don't work or that they feel horrible they, there's no compassion to gain here you know they, we, the, the community doesn't get compassion much and it's it's also not realistic to think that we're trying to just get money from drug companies because i mean we're far away from being able to sue them like to actually win a case or something like this you know so
1: yeah i mean the case would have to be one where you go after the fact that you've received reports about this for several years but you followed it up in a negligent matter because at least in the U.S., I don't think anyone is going to be able to win a malpractice suit against the doctor when it says in the U.S. that this is a first-line treatment for depression. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. the American Psychiatric Association, you know, backing that. Good luck proving that you know the doctor didn't, you know, yeah. do standard of care there, you know. And so, I mean, it you know, any litigation really is going to have to go after drug companies and showing that they were negligent in detecting this and, um. From what I've heard talking to David Healy over time, I think it's going to be challenging because I know drug companies have tried to actually put that in the label um, in, in in the FDA. Actually, this is from memory. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. this is correct, but that the FDA has bounced it back and said that, oh, you know, we don't think there's enough evidence there. So, I mean, even that is kind of confusing that, you know, the FDA would say, oh, we don't want this in there. And you know they've tried to just kind of sneak it into the label, but we'll see. Maybe eventually people will be outraged enough that it'll kind of be like an opiate epidemic problem, where you know it just builds up an, an, enough public outrage that they say we don't care. We're just we're going after you anyway. Um, uh, let's see.
0: That's kind of our hope as well. You know, when mm-hmm. when, when you look at other political issues in the US, uh, for example, one that's heavily debated right now is the transgender issue and uh what i've seen both sides speak up extremely like loudly right and this gets people talking and gets things changed or gets things passed and that's kind of i kind of want to mimic this kind of approach where we just don't hold back we tell real stories we speak out as much as we can we basically you know approach this as if nobody's listening to us and we we also don't try to tiptoe around offending certain people because We've i've had people have, uh, approach us and basically say oh you should be careful what you say because this physician might be offended and you know but if you in order if you want to think you have to you know you will risk actually offending someone you know so we just have to speak and say the, the harsh truth and the truth is horrible enough right if you just stick to the facts that exist and you don't like lie then it's already bad enough you know so, there's no even reason to lie about anything. So
1: no you don't have to lie about anything. I mean, you're at the point where you have two national health authorities, and maybe even Hong Kong, I think I saw that on the Wikipedia page yeah. um who are who are saying that this is a big enough problem that the doctors need to know about it. So I don't think you need to pull a single punch. You know it's yeah. it's it's it, it has gained enough momentum and recognition now that I think you could just go to town. Um, and if anyone exactly. is saying, hey, you need to you need to watch what you're saying about that, again, it's just like, you know, tell them, you know, the people who are helped by the drug are just important. You know, the people who are harmed by the drug are just as important as the people who are helped by them. You know, no one is saying that the drug is evil. You know, people, you know, I I know what you're saying and I know what I'm saying is it's a problem with how drugs are used. It's a problem about how people are told about the risks of medication. I mean, a drug is a drug, you know, it can be used in the right situation, but the informed consent piece of it you know and 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 you know the way we recommend them to people that's the problem and i
0: think that's what we need
1: to really disrupt yeah
0: i think you hit the nail on the head there uh it's if people really want to take the drugs and there's plenty of people who take it that's fine you know but um even like even it was accepted in uh you know it was written in ema that in that persistent sexual issues can happen that it can happen after stopping a drug it didn't, they didn't really actually exactly recognize PSD they just wrote fairly vaguely that sexual issues may persist which i mean doesn't actually show the actual severity of the issue and this was in 2019 um and for example my partner who is suffering from this she took the drugs in 2020 and not nothing you know and it's nobody told us anything um And if you're struggling from this, they will just say, oh, it will come back. Don't worry, which is what her psychiatrist also said. Don't worry about it. It will come back when you stop repeatedly, right? Mm -hmm. She asked this repeatedly and she repeated, even though it's, you know, it's mentioned in the labels that this can happen. So as you said, doctors don't read labels. And if they're not uh, like actively reading about this and actively researching, which someone who's really passionate and really, you know, knows what he's doing is will do, then they won't know, you know. That's why it's so crucial to just have the regular, you know, average doc knowing about this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, and 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 that's why I think PSSD network. I mean, the louder you can get, and the more, I I mean, I would like to see this on CNN, you know, or like Fox News or something like that. Mm-hmm. One of these major, oh, yeah. ma- major media outlets. I think that should be the goal to kind of, to kind of. G- Get, get it somewhere there where, where it's going to spark a conversation at the national level i can, because... add, I
0: can add something to that i mean with yeah. um we're working i mean the bbc is right now i think they're almost done i think in july there will be a panorama episode about pssd and we mm-hmm. also helped a lot with that they asked us like videos material people to talk to so they i mean i think it might be about antidepressants as a whole but they will also talk about pssd i can't remember exactly now but uh, soon we'll have like BBC talking about this. Uh, we also had uh, France Five, and uh, a TV channel in France, speak about this, and they actually mentioned their subreddit, they mentioned our website, they even played the uh, patient stories that we have on our website from several of our sufferers. So we hope to keep pushing in the in the media, uh, in that sense. And uh, you know, there have been articles before about PCP even years ago. That it like got some attention, then it dropped again you know i think it's very important to be consistent and to keep hammering and never stop because once you stop the like the the uh how do you say this the the hype dies down and then it kind of you know gets forgotten so that's why it's so important to like just keep you know reiterating keep pushing never stop talking about it
1: i i i think yeah i i mean what you're doing is great and then i i also wonder like eventually you know, the child of like a U.S. senator or congressperson or some like national leader will get this, you know, and and, yeah. and, and they will see it and they will be able to use their influence. To the, I mean, I think it's like, you know, in my other work, you know, with the i Aspens, you know, I've worked with people who are, you know, who are fairly well known and come from connected families. And like eventually it's it, it's it's going to, I think it will grow to a point where, there will be enough interest there will be enough financial resources and there will be you know political power to kind of just shove this through and and get it recognized um
0: yes exactly yeah I
1: mean, um, I mean
0: it's uh like you said it's only a matter of time and i do believe it's only a matter of time statistically speaking it cannot go on forever you know there will be a moment where you know something changes
1: yeah i think we're getting close but you know we'll I think,
0: I think, I think we're both going to kind of keep keep
1: on pushing until we get there. Yes, so. we will. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and then when it's when it's actually solved, then we'll have a beer together.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that that will that, be great. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I've got about three minutes before I'm actually doing another interview with someone. So, oh
0: okay, it,
1: yeah. And any last comments or any anything, any last things that you want to say uh, today?
0: Um, yeah, sure. I mean, to everyone's listening, if you're a sufferer. Like, don't hesitate to speak up. Just, you have nothing to lose. Nobody's going to care if you have sexual dysfunction now. If you want a partner in the future, they won't care. You know, they will have empathy for you for going through all this stuff. Um, like, speak up and uh, never just, and uh, never let people guess at you at all as well. Just uh, stay, you know, just be truthful and don't be afraid to say what you mean or what you think, basically. Um, yeah.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, thanks for doing this with me, Ruben. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure we're going to talk yeah. again, and you know, reach out to me anytime if I can, I, I if I can be uh,
0: of help. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. We'll definitely talk again. Okay. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wit During Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from Doctors Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at witduringpsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.